Donald Trump. I'd love to push him into a vat of concrete, but that would just set a bad precedent. This is The Show with PJ Thumb. Hello! 2019 had a lot of spectacular collapses, including WeWork's IPO. It previously had a valuation as high as 47 billion US dollars, and now WeWork may not even be worth a tenth of that. Their IPO filing revealed some crazy details. WeWork CEO Adam Newman had extracted around a billion US dollars from the company through various accounting maneuvers. For example, by selling stock and borrowing against his WeWork shares, Newman cashed in some 700 million US dollars of his holdings in the company. He made millions more by buying stakes in buildings and leasing space to WeWork at very high rents and by registering the We trademark and selling it to his own company. Meanwhile, the company employed at least two of his relatives and gave his wife the power to help name his successor should he die or become incapacitated. And it set up a corporate structure that insulated him from outside shareholders and could shift the tax burden on future profits from him to the company. The company could collapse tomorrow and Newman and his wife would still walk away really, really rich. Hmm. Leaders who pay themselves obscene amounts of money, appoint relatives and friends as their colleagues, avoid accountability and give their wife a huge amount of power even as she makes big mistakes. Thank goodness we don't have this in Singapore. All of this only came out because WeWork's plans for an IPO forced a lot of this to be disclosed. This is a little disturbing because the fact that they were willing to disclose all of this suggests that Newman and his wife live in a bubble where they actually believe that this was okay. But I think the more important lesson is that it's crucial to have external scrutiny because clearly no one in WeWork was going to rein in the founder and CEO until it was too late. Transparency and accountability is essential to good governance. Which brings us to today's topic, the Oxley Road dispute and what it tells us about transparency and accountability in Singapore. Like Adam Newman, Singapore's People's Action Party or PAP government has created a myth about their organisation which doesn't quite reflect reality. And of all the myths that the PAP leadership wants to uphold, perhaps the most important are that Singapore is a meritocracy, that we are clean and corruption-free, that our leaders do not abuse their power. Singapore is a meritocracy, and these men have risen to the top by their own merit, their hard work 
and high performance. If all the 300 were to crash in one jumbo jet, then Singapore will disintegrate. To maintain Singapore Incorporated's sky-high valuation, the PAP wants, it needs all of us and all of you who have invested money in Singapore to believe that here, people are rewarded based on their ability and achievement rather than who their father is or who their husband is. And this underpins their carefully nurtured reputation of Singapore as a clean, efficient and incorruptible place to do business. So the PAP is highly reactive to any suggestion that the country's establishment elite are less than squeaky clean. Senior PAP leaders have taken news outlets, political opponents and critics to court for defamation. The International Herald Tribune, the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, the Far Eastern Economic Review and The Economist have all been sued. Even bloggers haven't been spared. In 2014, Roy Neng, a blogger, was successfully sued by Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong for defamation. He was ordered to pay Lee 150,000 Singapore dollars in damages in installments until 2033. Neng now lives and works in Taiwan after being unable to find employment in Singapore. Recently though, the party has found itself fighting a much more awkward enemy, one that apparently cannot be sued. And that's because these new enemies are the Prime Minister's own younger siblings, Li Weiling and Li Xianyang. How did this happen? Yes, Singaporeans were stunned in June 2017 when Li Xianyang and Li Weiling took to Facebook to attack their brother for abusing his power and influence for his own personal agenda. This dispute is about Li Kuan Yu's house. Apart from being the family home, the house at 38 Oxley Road also has historical significance. The People's Action Party was born out of meetings in the basement. Today, Li Weiling still lives there. Both Li Kuan Yu and his wife, Kwa Geok Chu, wanted the house to be demolished upon their death or when Weiling stops living in it. However, there have been rumours that the government will declare the house to be a national monument and have it preserved. The siblings accused their brother, the Prime Minister, of wanting to preserve the house against their father's wishes. They alleged that he had roped in other PAP ministers to form a special ministerial committee through which Lee Hsien Loong raised doubts over Lee Kuan Yew's will. This is despite the fact that when the will was granted probate in 2015, Lee Hsien Loong made no objection. This empowered the executors to carry out the will, which includes eventually demolishing the house. Why would Sien Long want to preserve the house? Well, his siblings accused Sien Long and his wife Ho Ching of trying to milk Lee Kuan Yew's legacy for their own political mileage and of wanting to establish a political dynasty by maneuvering their son, Lee Hong Yi, into politics. So the Prime Minister is being accused of using state resources to manoeuvre his son into political office. That's a huge accusation and one that would be very damaging to the Prime Minister and his party. But there's more to this than that. This is a fight over Lee Kuan Yew's legacy. You see, the problem for the PAP is that everything that justifies their continued monopoly on power stems from what Lee Kuan Yew achieved, not Go Chok Tong, not Lee Hsien Loong. So the veneration of Lee Kuan Yew has turned into a quasi-cult. Take the last election where every PAP speech somehow mentioned a dead man. 
our founding prime minister. Lee Kuan Yew, 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 Lee Kuan Yew. Or how every major new policy from the PAP has to make a reference to Lee Kuan Yew. If I can quote Mr. Lee, Lee Kuan Yew. As then Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew cautioned at his 1984 National Day rally, as a young minister, I helped Mr. Go Chok Tong and his team to develop Mr. Lee Kuan Yew's concept. Our founding Prime Minister, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, made a rousing call that we must never fear. This cult of Lee Kuan Yew is sacrosanct. Lee Kuan Yew's stature as the father of the nation is akin to Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam, Sukarno in Indonesia, or Mao in China. Lee Kuan Yew was the leader who took Singapore to independence, in and out of Malaysia, and led the greatest expansion of living standards and opportunity ever seen in Singapore. By contrast, his successors have no signature policies or achievements of their own. Lee Hsien Loong's signature achievement is really maintaining his father's achievements. Because of this, Lee Kuan Yew's legacy is crucial to the PAP continuing to win elections. They cannot break away from that legacy without repudiating their main claim to continue monopolizing power in Singapore. So even in death, Lee Kuan Yew's legacy has the power to bestow legitimacy. Finance Minister Heng Swee Keat, for example, has been elevated to Deputy Prime Minister and is seen to be the successor to Lee Hsien Loong. And the fact that he was Lee Kuan Yew's principal private secretary and learnt at the feet of the master, so to speak, has been touted as one reason why Heng is able to lead. And so, if, as the Lee siblings allege, Lee Hsien Loong wants to bring his son Lee Hongi into politics and potentially have him ascend to the prime ministership after Heng, then continued control of Lee Kuan Yew's legacy is important. And that's where the Oxley Road House comes into play. By keeping control of this house, this would permit Lee to physically inherit his grandfather's legacy. Imagine, for example, if the house becomes a museum and the exhibit prominently features images of Lee Kuan Yew playing with his son Lee Hsien Loong and then giving advice to his grandson Lee Hong Yi. You know, images is kind of like this. This would help ensure the continuance of the Lee dynasty into a third generation. No one could question this legacy, except Lee Kuan Yew's other two children who have alleged abuse of power. Now, why has Lee Hsien Loong not sued his siblings? Well, as Lee Hsien Loong explained himself in July 2017, Many people have asked me why I'm not taking legal action to challenge the will, or sue for defamation, or take some other legal action to put a stop to this and clear my name. In normal circumstances, in fact, in any other imaginable circumstance than this, I would have sued immediately. Because the accusation of the abuse of power is a very grave one, but suing my own brother and sister in court would further besmirch our parents' names. So Lee Hsien Yang and Lee Wei Ling enjoy an immunity unavailable to other Singaporeans. The Prime Minister's statement also demonstrates double standards. The siblings' allegations were just as serious and potentially harmful to the government's reputation as anyone else's, if not more so, given their position and status in Singapore society, yet they were safe from lawsuits 
because Lee Hsien Loong did not want to trigger the embarrassing spectacle of hauling his own siblings to court. Instead of suing his siblings, the Prime Minister chose to make a statement in Parliament in July 2017. But Parliament is not a court of law, it is a political body, and in Singapore, the PAP control over 90% of the seats, not including the nominated and non-constituency MPs. In other words, it's full of people who have a vested interest in wanting this scandal to go away as quickly as possible. And as I explained in earlier episodes, it is a body produced by extremely unfair elections designed to maximize the votes for the PAP. Furthermore, Lee Hsien Yang and Li Wei Ling were not present in Parliament to pose questions or respond to the statements that were being made. Prime Minister Lee lifted the party whip from his MPs, allowing them to vote freely according to their conscience. But that was meaningless, as there was no motion tabled, and so nothing to vote on. It was all just for show. And that's the problem in Singapore. Often we have the appearance of the form of transparency and accountability but a lack of the substance in the country's institutions and processes. Now, in Parliament, the differentiated treatment of the Prime Minister's siblings versus his critics was emphasised by then-leader of the opposition, Lo Thia Kiang. Uh, Madam, the sec secondly, I wonder whether the Prime Minister is not worrying that the PAP as a ruling party will be seen as double standard. One sibling cannot sue. After all, we are all brother and sisters. But political opponents and critics sue until your pants drop. To illustrate his point, Lo used the example of Tang Liang Hong, an opposition politician who had been sued by then Prime Minister Goh Chok Tong in 1997, simply for lodging a police report against him. Does he forgotten that the former Prime Minister, Mr. Goh Chok Tong, is your ESM? Sue the Workers' Party candidate Ting Liang Hong during general election 1997 for just making a police report. But now this is allegations much more serious than that. Goh's response was inadvertently revealing. The response by Lo Tia Kiang is not unexpected. I expected that. This is what we call political sophistry. And as for Tang Liang Hong, he's not my brother. He's not my brother? So if he were your brother, you wouldn't have sued him? What happened to impartiality? Two years on, this differentiated treatment continues. Lee Sien Long sued Terry Shi, the editor of independent news website, The Online Citizen, for defamation. The Online Citizen published an article which reported the claims made by Li Wei Ling against her older brother. Lee's lawyer argued that by publishing those claims in the article, his reputation had been quote-unquote gravely injured. Crazy! Instead of suing the people who made the allegations, you sue the person who reported that people made the allegations. Discretion. In response, Lee Weiling repeated the same claims mentioned in the online citizen's article, and Lee Hsien Loong again did nothing, didn't even react. If found to have defamed the Prime Minister, Terry potentially faces hundreds of thousands of dollars in damages. So, the Lee family feud might seem like a petty dispute between disgruntled siblings. But the way the spat was handled tells us a lot about Singapore's system. 
This Oxley Road saga demonstrates a few things about power in meritocracy in Singapore. It shows how the power dynamic in Singapore is so skewed that one party gets to decide the rules of the game and what consequences are visited or not visited upon its critics. So you get a scenario where the people who make allegations are not punished, but the person who factually reported that they made allegations is punished. It shows how Singapore has the trappings of parliamentary democracy and institutionalized politics, but the personal authority of Lee Kuan Yew and his legacy, even in death, are still seen as powerful enough to trump independent institutions and bestow legitimacy and authority onto a new generation of political leaders. The most important determinant of political power in Singapore is still who controls the legacy of Lee Kuan Yew, rather than say, who is actually the most competent and widely respected politician in Singapore. <sighs> Why are men great till they gotta be great? But I think the most important thing about the Oxley Road scandal is that it shows how our government is very deliberately focused on the form rather than the substance of accountability. The PAP government claims that the parliamentary sittings on 3rd and 4th July 2017 fully cleared Lee Sin Lung. But parliament is a political body, not a court. Both the format and venue didn't actually allow for a thorough investigation of his siblings' accusations. In a nutshell, it exemplified a popular Singaporean phrase, own self, check own self, referring to the lack of checks and balances on the ruling People's Action Party. An independent inquiry, for example, would have been a more appropriate way of finding out the truth. But an independent inquiry can only con be convened by, wait for it, Parliament. In other words, On self! Check on self! There are very few checks and balances on power in Singapore. For example, there is no freedom of information law. All government documents are classified unless specifically declassified. All these marvellous statistics about Singapore relating to our wealth, our quality of life, our economy, our corruption or lack thereof, are really hard to independently verify. Ultimately, pretty much everything we know about Singapore is heavily reliant on the official statistics that the government issues at its own discretion, on its own schedule, in whatever format it wants, if at all. We have very few ways to even formally request information and even those ways, such as filing parliamentary questions, are highly limited, ad hoc, piecemeal. And it's impossible to independently verify if the information released is accurate. So even when independent organisations or individuals try to verify what the government is claiming, it's very hard to actually understand what is happening or what has happened. We don't have the raw data to analyse their claims. We just don't know. Are Singaporeans rich or poor? We don't know. Are public officials corrupt in Singapore? We don't know. Is Tomasic Holdings performing well? We don't know. Is the government misusing our public funds? We don't know. And that's the biggest problem. If the PAP is doing as well as they say, why can't they release this information in a way that can be independently verified? And this brings us back to Oxley Road. 
Until the Lee siblings raised all these issues in public, we had no idea all this was going on. For example, they exposed the fact that there was a ministerial committee to decide the fate of Oxley Road. And we, the public, had no idea about this until they told us. If the Lee siblings hadn't said anything, no one would ever have had an inkling that there was anything happening to Oxley Road. We can't make such claims or raise questions without getting in trouble. So how do we get similar information about the inner workings of government? How do we hold them accountable? And it gets worse. Recently, the PAP government has taken a new tack, which is to accuse people who disagree with them of spreading falsehoods or being deliberately malicious. In other words, if you disagree with the government, you must be trying to damage and destroy the government and by extension, harm Singapore. What happened to honest disagreement? And the logical conclusion of this is the fake news law, which was passed in Parliament last year. I'll talk more about that in the next episode. Hello, this is Grouchy the Malayan Sunbear. Thank you very much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please like and subscribe and please share with your friends. Also, please help us make more by becoming a member of New Narrative. It's only 52 US dollars a year or 5 US dollars a month. Imagine how much honey you could buy with that. Learn more about us at newnarrative.com slash hello. Thank you very much.